We're just about to start a new series, and it's going to be called The Father's Heart for the Lost. Um, but before we start this series, I just felt like I wanted to share another picture with you, something that has been in my heart actually for many years. I've talked about it before many years ago, and it just God just brought it back to me so clearly as I was thinking about today to share this picture with you. And it's a kind of a prequel uh, to the series that we're about to start. And it's a picture about why people can find it so hard to see Jesus, even if they want to, and how we can help. Okay, so that's what this picture is about, that's what this story is about. Because I want to share a story with you about a man who was desperate to see Jesus not just because he was the latest celebrity passing through town. No, he really wanted to see him and find out what kind of person he was. Because, you know, we get distorted ideas about Jesus. There's the media, there's church, there's organised religion. It can mess up the thinking about, well, what is this Jesus really like? Um... <coughs> But in this quest to connect with Jesus, this man found that there were all kinds of obstacles they had to overcome. Mostly it was people with their rulers and their ideas about what it was to know Jesus. And this man was called Zacchaeus. And it's a very well-known story, but I think there's an incredible picture for us to see about how we need to help people find roots to Jesus from our friendships and communities. So here we go, just read in Luke chapter 19 with me, it's going to come up on the screen. But Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount, way more than you need to. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and save the lost, the father's heart for the lost. Father, share your heart with us today. Share your heart, good shepherd. The one who goes and looks for the sheep. Thank you, Father. So look, get this, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And it wasn't his desire that was the problem. And I think it's the same today. People want to see Jesus. There are actually people looking for Jesus right now. The harvest field, field is white. There's no problem with the harvest. Simon shared that last week. But they're stumbled 
with all kinds of obstacles. And there were three that Luke shows us here. And the first one, it was a moral obstacle. He was the chief tax collector. Now, that might not mean much to us, but in those days, tax collectors have a terrible reputation. I mean, for a start, they worked for the Romans, the enemy. How can you trust somebody like that? And they were hated as a result, and they collected taxes. Who likes paying taxes? Especially when the tax collector is also an extortionist, collecting as much money as they can from the public, paying the Romans as little as they can, and keeping the rest for themselves. And Zacchaeus was morally corrupt in the eyes of his community. He was a thief, he was a traitor, he was a sinner. So he needed to be discreet. And although he was used to sneaking around, there was still the shame attached to the moral choices he'd made, which meant that he needed a hiding place, a safe place to look at Jesus from a distance in the first instance. And you know, I think it's the same today. Despite the brazen way in which people seem to sin, they actually still feel bad about themselves. Especially when they think that other people are going to judge them in some way. And actually there's a lot of shame in our communities. Ever wondered what the mental health epidemic was about? Some of it is to do with that, just guilt. So like, <coughs> a few years ago, there was a young man in our church who was desperate enough to turn up one week drunk. He was, but he was so convinced that we had it all sorted, he just couldn't find his way into church. And he really wanted to find Jesus, he really did. And I just kept loving him anyway, and invited him to help me with lots of jobs I was doing around the building at the time, just so I could keep connected with him. And then one day he called me in the middle of the night, desperate, because he was beginning to cough up blood, and he'd reached rock bottom. And instead of taking him to church, I took him to an AA meeting. And from that night until today, I actually lost track of how many years it is, maybe about eight years now, he's not had another drink. And he did come to church eventually, but he needed somewhere else to camp out for a while. He needed help to find his route into relationship with Jesus and ultimately the church. So that's the first obstacle, a moral one. The second one is a financial one, financial obstacle. I mean, why was that a problem? Rich people get all kinds of privileges today. Couldn't he just buy his way into audience with Jesus? No, because money doesn't buy that kind of access. And as Jesus had already said in the previous chapter, actually, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Money gets in the way, riches obscure need. I worked in a business uh, a few years ago, not that long really, many years ago. <laughs> and it was full of quite a lot of wealthy people. And do you know it's really tricky to witness to people who've got money? Why do you need God when you've got everything? You've got heaven on earth already. Now rich people already have their slice of heaven. So why worry about eternity? 
But then we've all experienced this to some degree, haven't we? A greater sense of need when things go wrong. And haven't we all experienced a miraculous upgrade in our prayer life when we're worried about something? Anybody? So often we're rich and we don't have a sense of need, but when stuff comes along, suddenly we discover we're desperate. And our prayer life increases rapidly. I remember for many years I witnessed to one of the partners in the first firm that I worked at. He used to mock me, he used to send me to places so that I'd be tempted, he tried to get me drunk. He tried all kinds of things because he just could not believe that what I said was true and that I was really sincere about my faith. He never became a Christian, but I said to him as I left, uh, not during my time there, I said to him as I left, if you ever become a Christian, contact me because you are so resistant to God, I think he's going to get you. <laughs> I don't know why I said that an audacious thing. Many, many years later, I heard that he'd become a Christian He'd lost his wife, he'd lost his family, his life had gone downhill, he'd become seriously ill, and he called out to Jesus and became a Christian on an Alpha course and was one of the Alpha course leaders in the church connected to us down in Exeter. Come on. Money sometimes obscures need. Now, obviously, something had already happened to Zacchaeus and his relationship with money because. He went to great lengths to see Jesus. Perhaps he'd already discovered that his money didn't fill the ache that he had inside of him. It didn't satisfy. And so he needed to see Jesus. Which brings us to the final hindrance. And it was just a little thing. It was a physical obstacle. He was too short. <laughs> Zacchaeus was literally unable to see Jesus over the crowd because of his physical stature. You know? Jump as high as he might, he couldn't stay in the air long enough to see Jesus over people's heads. And sometimes it's for physical reasons that people can't see Jesus. It can be practical. Can't get to church because of a sickness or a disability. And these things can be so isolating. And then there are other things like work commitments. And sometimes it's just that people never meet other Christians. How are they ever going to cross that divide? They're so isolated in communities. And we've made it so hard, I think, for people to access Jesus when we've continually worked to an invitational come-to-church model. What we probably don't realise is that the church building itself or where we meet can be a, a big step for many. Just coming through the doors into a group of strangers can actually be really difficult, however welcoming we might be. I often visit other churches and I'm a reasonably confident person, although I can be quite shy with people that I don't know. And I find it difficult. I'm a visiting speaker. How much for somebody who's never been to church? That's a real barrier. And we have to face the reality that people in our communities today won't think of coming to church when they're in trouble. Now the church just doesn't have that reputation anymore 
in our culture. And if people won't come to us, then we're going to need to go to them. So how are we going to do this? Well, Zacchaeus' solution, ever the resourceful businessman that he was, he found this solution to overcome all his obstacles. He spotted a place to hide, a place to see, and a place to stand. He spied a beautiful sycamore fig tree. Got a picture of one here. Now, the thing is about these trees is they're ideal for vertically challenged people. <laughs> it's got a thick trunk, it's got low lying thick branches, it's really easy to climb. And it's got all these great leaves to hide in, and you can even eat the figs while you're waiting. <laughs> And he knew he had to do something because any minute now Jesus was passing by and he would miss the opportunity. So with all his might, he ran ahead of the crowd as fast as his little legs would take him. And with a hop, skip and a jump, he climbed the tree and settled himself down to watch for the arrival of the man that was going to change his life. Now, I don't know why he did this. Something so undignified for a man in his position, but he was desperate. And something had just got hold of him. I mean, perhaps he'd heard about the healings, people like miracles. Perhaps he'd heard about Jesus' teaching, or people love freedom. And perhaps he knew that Jesus was the man who forgave sin. People really love to feel clean again. They do. Ever being burdened with guilt is such a horrible feeling. That's why we need to keep telling our stories of what Jesus has done for us. Now we reach the main point of the message that I want to give to you today. And it's this. That every church needs some trees in their community. We need some easy-to-climb trees for people in our community. Perhaps we need to plant some. Or we need to set up some trees that people can sit in for a while. <coughs> a safe place to observe, a hidden place to see from a distance. Just to see. <coughs> Who is this Jesus? What's he like? What are these Christians all about? Seriously, what is church? You know, a tree is a place to hide, but it's also a place to see and a place to stand. <coughs> so what are they? What are these places for our church? Have we got any? What are those places around our church where you can come and check us out? People love to window shop. Anybody? That's all we ever do. People love to window shop. So where are our windows? Where are the windows into relationships with people in our community? Well, do you know what? I think you can do a bit of work for a few minutes now. I'd like you just to talk to your neighbour or some people around you just for a couple of minutes and say, okay, where are the trees? Where are the trees for our community? What might they be? What could they be? Let's just have a chat together for a few minutes.
So there are all kinds of suggestions. Um, these are all trees. There are opportunities for people to just come and have a look at Jesus in me, in the new. We had a topic group a few years ago, and there was a, a man there called Sonny who saw Jesus in the toddler group. And uh, he became a Christian just before he died of cancer. If you remember Sonny. I mean, it was just a toddler group. And yet he was able to see Jesus in that place. Our website even is one of those places. Most people who come to visit the church will visit because they've been on the website. And the quiz, of course. And there are some trees around many of our churches, but what about away from our churches? Trees that are planted in the community or even with the community. And we don't always have to start things. Often it's better just to join things that are already going on. Go to places where there are no Christians. Uh, some friends of ours are involved in a community litter pick. Another in a cycling club. And so on. But there is also another step, which is to look at your community. You know, the place where you live or work, and see what it needs. That's how the storehouse started, actually. It wasn't just a good idea of Alison's. It was actually looking at the community, speaking to the local authority, assessing the needs of the community, serving our community. I mean, maybe something you can think about as a life group. How can we serve our community in some way? How can we get involved in something that's already going on? So I want to get back to what happened next for Zacchaeus. But before I do, can I just say one thing? Trees are not for Christians. <laughs> See, I've been around church long enough now to know that there are some Christian trees that people like to sit in. Not to see this time, but to hide. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Christians can find all kinds of reasons to hide in church. And sometimes we need to camp out for a bit, but there are no long-term Christian trees. Just one that we need to keep returning to, and that's called the cross. So this is the place where we resolve things, we get forgiveness and healing. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you're still going to need... Jesus doesn't want you hiding in the church. He wants you to learn how to use your gifts in the church, mm. to be equipped and encouraged by the church, so that you will be a more effective disciple of Jesus in the service of your community. So no hiding. Now back to Zacchaeus. You wanted to see Jesus and have found the perfect place to perch, and now he comes <coughs> Jesus walking towards him, he stops, he sees him, and he says, Oi, come down. I'm coming to your place tonight. What's for dinner? Or words to that effect. <laughs> see, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus saw him. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I'd say that again. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus saw him. I don't like preaching on my own. I want people to join in. Despite all the obstacles, all the hindrances, the things that could disqualify him, make him hide away, Jesus sees him in the tree that was planted in his community. Yes, yes. But note this. Even now, Jesus doesn't take you to church. He says, I'm coming to your house tonight. 
That's a really good point, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> he goes to where Zacchaeus was, his house, his family, his community. I mean, this is another theme altogether, but don't rush to Christianize your unbelieving friends. Don't church them too quickly. They might not get converted. Just be friends with them and teach them how to follow Jesus for themselves and share their journey with others who don't know Jesus yet. That's discipleship. It's not coming to church. And I love the church, but the church is the Christians. <laughs> Mic drop moment. <laughs> and Zacchaeus' response to Jesus is fantastic. He jumps out of the tree and welcomes Jesus into his home. And the crowd's response is terrible. Not recognising what this encounter with Jesus meant, they all start calling him names. And how other believers respond to people who have taken their first steps in this journey of discovery of Jesus is such a make-or-break moment for these people in our community. We've messed this up so many times, you know. I don't just mean here, I mean we, the church. We've tried to church people, we've tried to conform them to a particular way of being without just allowing them to meet Jesus. Yeah. <coughs> I'll speak a bit more about that next week. But the impact of this encounter with Jesus changes Zacchaeus' life. It was because he met Jesus that he gave all his money away. It wasn't because somebody said, you really ought to give all your money away if you want to meet Jesus. If you want to come to church, you need to stop doing that. No, just come and meet Jesus. Get to know him, and then do what he tells you to do. That's discipleship. And Jesus praises him for his response. You know, he gives back four times the amount required. By Roman law to anyone he's cheated. He goes way above. That's what grace does. That's what encountering Jesus does. It makes you run in such the opposite direction. Much more than any kind of legalism could ever do. Just meeting Jesus. That's why I do what I do. That's how I behave. Because I love Jesus. That's what the motivation is. He says to Zacchaeus, you're just the kind of guy I'm looking for. So, that's it. That's the tour. What about tending to some of the trees you've, you already have, we already have? Tending to them. Get stuck in. Look, quiz nights are not my thing. As the people at my table will tell you, I knew only two answers and they didn't listen to me because they didn't trust That's how bad I am. I don't like quiz nights, but I like meeting people who don't know Jesus. That's why I came. It's not about me. Trees, Christian trees, don't exist.
feel bad about said that. <laughs> so what about tending to some of the trees we already have, but start asking God for some community trees that we should be planting or supporting so that people who are desperate to see Jesus can get a glimpse of him passing by in you and what you do, serving your community, serving your workplace, serving your school. What's in your heart? I'm not trying to ask you to do anything more than you want to do in a sense. I'm just saying, what's in my heart? What do I want to do? How do I want to care and show love to this community? What is it for you? What's he saying to you? That's the basic question of discipleship. What's he saying to you? Please do it. Do what he tells you to do. What is your community need? This is a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> Let's just stand and pray and ask God to meet us. I am amazed that we ended our worship about with that song that James led us into, I surrender all. Jesus says if you don't surrender all, you can't even be my disciples. Did you know that? So it says that in Luke. If you're not prepared to leave all, you can't even be my disciples. It's the basic requirement of what it means to follow Jesus. So let's just go back to that place and say, Lord, my time my energy, my relationship with you. Father, help me to be helpful to those who are looking for Jesus. Help me to meet those people that are on the way to finding you, but have obstructions in the way. Help us to go where you show us to go and to be who you've called us to be. Father, forgive our selfishness that we make our walk with you only about me. And help us to see those that are lost and catch something of your compassionate heart for them. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just pray your own response now and just come to Jesus? Whatever popped into your head while we were talking today, I feel like we were having a conversation while we were praying just then. Just say, Lord, okay, I'm going to go get involved in that. I'm going to do that. So this is part of our river going out vision. This is equipping the church and how we go out. And we shared the strategy, didn't we, a few weeks ago. I was looking for the slide but couldn't find it. But I got to pray with an unbeliever this week. Just like tell you that. <laughs> just a quick prayer. She told me she was ill. I said, oh, bless you. Let me pray for you. I just did. And she was very surprised, very touched, and was quite emotional when I did that. I just want to encourage you, just keep reaching out, keep telling your story, keep offering to pray for people, keep telling the stories of Jesus, like Zacchaeus, there you go. 
There's another Jesus story that you can carry in your pocket this week. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. Tell somebody what Jesus spoke to you about before you go for coffee. Bless you.